there are a lot of things. I'm on year 31. There are probably, it started out a handful, probably two handfuls now of things that will stick with me my entire life. Roses are red, violets are blue. You're listening to Emergency Entrance, and we love you. This is our 16th episode. Thanks for sticking through. We share the pretty, the ugly, and the funny, too. Your jaw might drop. You could laugh or cry. We keep it authentic because you know we don't lie. Each shift that we work, we learn something new. Oh, how we love sharing with you. I have a question for you, my sweet Valentine. And before you guess it, no, it's not Will You Be Mine. Have you subscribed, rated, and shared? If not, just go do it so we know you cared. I don't know if you experienced this yet. I have, and I've seen it from both sides. And this is in no way, shape, or form a dig against people who work on the floor as a nurse, who work in units as a nurse. I'm not picking on you. And I worked on the floor before I worked in the ER. And when I worked on the floor, I know it was, it was annoying when you were busy or you had a routine and you suddenly got a new patient. But I'm having a really hard time right now with, and I hate to say it like this, but I'm having a hard time with attitude that I get sometimes when I have a patient who has been admitted and they need to go to their room. And we always wait for 30 minutes before we call the floor to tell them, you know, give report or whatever, you know, whatever we need to tell them. And I don't know how to overcome the, the kind of just, I don't know. I don't want, I hate to say attitude because I worked on the floor and I know it's annoying, but at the same time, I'm like now having worked in both places, I don't, I don't deal well with the fact that I get attitude when I call report. Have you had this issue? Yeah. And what do you do? Because I know the experienced nurses that I work with, they're just like, you just need to just call, give report, and that's it. And don't worry about it. But I, I like, I don't have a backbone yet. And it shows in a lot of ways that I have not built up the backbone. And that's one of the ways. Because when I call up to the floor, I try and be really nice. And I try and be not chipper, because that can be annoying. But... You know, I just try and be nice and I try and tell them, you know, if the patient's an easy patient, if they're really, really nice or if they're, you know, just I'm sorry, they're kind of, you know, kind of an asshole, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I try and give them the lowdown on the patient, not just report. I try and give them like, you know, I'm sorry and this is how he's been acting or she's been acting. So it's just for me, it's hard when I try and be nice and then in return, I get huffy, puffy kind of stuff so i think we need to have a floor nurse come on and talk to us because i don't know how to deal with that i don't know how to make the transition better for both of us because i don't know it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth you know yeah and it's like we have to do it we don't like holding people in the er so i mean i don't really know how i handle it really i just kind of i guess i deflect i just act like there's no issues going on this i'll say well, what is it that you want to know for me is there anything more that you want to know for me No. Okay. And then I try to make it as like quick and just, if I can tell they're frustrated, then like, you can tell me 
what more you need from what I gave you. I, I wish I knew how to fix it. I just wish I knew how to make things flow better and so that people wouldn't get mad. You know, I guess maybe it's because of the fact that we are constantly changing and everything is constantly like shifting as opposed to I know on the floor things can turn on a dime. Somebody can code. You can walk into somebody's room and find them on the floor. I've, I've experienced it where something suddenly happens and all of a sudden it's a shitstorm. And so for me, it's just, I don't want to be in that feud of floor nurses hate ED nurses and ED nurses hate floor nurses because I don't hate anybody. I don't think anybody hates anybody. And we're all doing the same job. We're all there for the same reason. We need a more understanding of each other, I guess. So I know one of the hardest things that we've kind of talked about, how are you dealing with prioritizing what you need to do and who you need to do it with and who you need to see first and who needs to be medicated more than the next one and who needs to go to CT and you've got other patients. How are you handling all that? Are you getting better at it? Do you feel like you still suck? I feel like I still suck, but I also feel like I'm getting better at it very, very slowly. When I think of prioritizing, it's like you just think of like the sickest of the sick people and it would almost seem obvious who you're going to go to first. But then in reality, when I started working, it's like some people, they will bring themselves in, walk and talking, you wouldn't think anything, and then codes. Mm. So it's like, whoa. So there's a lot more into prioritizing than just surface level. So I think what I have been working on more is like the smaller tedious Mm -hmm. things of why they're in and like their past history and just all that stuff into kind of figuring out what to do honestly it's like you have to learn to recognize the little subtle things that make you go okay i got a guy over here who is obviously afib and then this person over here came in chest pains but you have to look at the little tiny details of the chest pain to go i need to go take care of my afib person first because they're not having a heart attack I think yeah. it comes and that's with all part of that's exactly what I was just gonna say. It's all part of being a new nurse and you know, it's learning how to do that kind of stuff. Like I see everybody around me who's been doing this for, you know, longer than I have and I can't wait to be in a position where I'm not sweating the entire night because I feel like I run around with my chicken with my head cut off and I look around and everybody has the same number of patients as me with higher acuity and I'm like why aren't they sweating (laughs) this week we are joined by the brave brave patient soul that took this little clueless ADD new grad me under their wing and precepted me Shannon Shannon has many years of experience in the ER ICU and has so many great stories and tips and tricks and truly great intel on what it's like to be a great ER nurse. So let's get into the episode. You transitioned from being an ICU nurse to an ER nurse, and I'm sure it was a transition. And kind of adding on to that, Katie and I were talking earlier, and we were talking about, I, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to make calling a report to the floor easier. And having worked in the ICU and getting a report from the ER and then being an ER nurse, you know, like, what was the transition like? And what advice maybe could you give us to, because I hate, like, I try and be really nice to everybody when I call a report. And I always just feel like everyone is annoyed by me. 
yeah. when I call report. <laughs> because, <laughs> so how is because that transition? they are. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was definitely a, a huge transition, much more than I anticipated, actually, after doing five and a half, almost six years in the ICU, just wanted to try the ER. Went into it thinking, well, I can handle anything. I already know what I'm doing. And I was very confident of, that I could take care of any critical patients that came in. Little did I know that we also had to care for the kidney stones and the appendix patients and things that I didn't know. And it was a rude awakening for me to realize what I thought was a big shot ICU nurse didn't know shit about <laughs> a lot of the simple things. I couldn't recognize a kidney stone patient from an appendix patient, which, you know, now, you know, it's all second nature. But I think I have a lot of OCD tendencies, which a lot of ICU nurses do, uh, much more than ER nurses, believe it or not, because like things neat. My lines neat and labeled and everything done. So that was a hard transition as well. As Katie can attest to the fact that I still have some of that in me. Uh, just a little <laughs> I, bit. I, just, I find <laughs> other ways to express it now and uh, the things I can control there. It, it definitely was a much harder transition than I anticipated. Um, as far as what you're talking about, calling report, I was the same way probably as what you've experienced. I was annoyed that the ER didn't have my patients all wrapped up and pretty and everything done and organized and, you know, with a little bow on top. And, you know, they were bloody. They were messy. The IVs weren't where I wanted them. They didn't know the story behind the patients and all the stuff that an ICU nurse would want to know. And so I was irritated by them. Of course, being on the other side now, I can see that they were doing what they're supposed to do as an ER. <laughs> which is stabilize them and move them out. I think my biggest advice, and it took years of doing it, and I've been in the ER for 25 plus years now, is learning that it's okay to not know something and to say it. And if the nurse on the other line gets annoyed, you know, got to have thick skin and just let it go. Now I can, you know, they'll ask me a question. I'm like, I have no idea. And I have no problem saying I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know, when was the patient's last male movement? I don't know. Didn't ask. Didn't care. You know, it, they have any skin issues? I didn't look at all of them, but from what I know, no, you know, there's a, a lot of things. And you just got to have thick skin. And, you know, I always, I guess, you know, told Katie, I came up with a report sheet they didn't have um, in the ER that I work in now when I started there. And so it just kind of, I always fill one out, even if it's a simple patient, so that when I call report to an ICU or wherever, I kind of have all my ducks in a row. So I don't have to fumble through it, you know, what the labs are, kind of their backstory. You know, it might take me five minutes to fill it out. And sometimes you feel like you don't have that time to do it, but it's definitely worth it in giving you more confidence when you call report to another nurse. That has saved yeah. my life so many times. And you hit on so many of the things that we were talking about earlier, just like the fact that we don't necessarily know everything and we don't have them wrapped up. And like, I had a patient recently that was filthy dirty and I brought him to the floor and it was like, I, I, I felt bad that he was so dirty, but at the same time, I don't have the time and I don't mean it to sound like bad or anything, but it's like, I don't have that time or the resources to give somebody a bed bath in the ED. I know that when he gets to the floor, having worked on the floor as a 
PCA, I know that on the floor, he's going to get that. So I walked, I actually took this particular patient up and he had sores on his bottom and I couldn't, I didn't put a Mepilex on him in the ED on his bottom, but I made sure like, you know, make sure you look at his bottom. You might want to consult wound care or something like that. But I got kind of a, you know, and it's like, I, I don't, I so don't want to annoy people and I don't want to get on people's nerves, but it's just, it's such, it's a hard thing. It is. It is. Especially being newer to it, even though you've worked on the other side, you weren't, you know, as a PCA, you probably really annoyed when they came up dirty because you were going to be the one (laughs) getting uh, the blunt of that. But you know, it's, you know, knowing your role and knowing that it's okay. Now, taking them up with, you know, wet and where it's going to, you know, affect their skin or something, that's a whole different thing. You know, you do those little things. But no, I've never given a bed bath in the ER. Don't plan on it unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I know my role and it's it's okay. And you're, you'll get more used to it and you get thicker skin and know that it's just continuation of care and let it go. Has there been a time that you had to be an ER nurse outside of the ER? Unfortunately, there's been a couple that stand out. One in particular, I was actually on my way to work, uh, was sitting at a red light and watched that someone was crossing in the crosswalk get run over by a speeding car that wasn't paying attention. It was a freezing cold day. I remember that because I got out you know, the first one on the scene, this person laying on the street and it was so cold. And so I took my coat off to put over them. I remember I was free, you know, scrubs are so thin. <laughs> I remember being so cold and also feeling very helpless because I didn't have anything to help this person. They died shortly thereafter when they got to the hospital, ended up getting called in as a witness and they actually the cops found out I was a nurse and showed me the autopsy pictures and all, which was kind of morbid. But, you know, I learned there was nothing that I could do except, you know, I kept warm and kept the airway open. And so that one was kind of rough because I felt so helpless. And then I've been on another accident where there was one person who was thrown from the car and was obviously deceased on the road. And then the person in the other car just had a head lack that I was trying to treat until and stabilize their neck until EMS got there. But yeah, it's kind of a helpless feeling when you're out there with, you know, you're used to having the equipment. Like, you know what to do, but I don't have do the it. resources to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And as you're talking about it, it sounds in your voice like you, you carry that with you. There are a lot of things. I'm on year 31. There are probably, it started out a handful, probably two handfuls now of things that will stick with me my entire life. Can you tell us about a patient that changed or affected the way that you care for patients? That one actually is very easy. The one patient that will always be with me. This one I definitely carry with me. It was a a wonderful moment. (laughs) Uh, It was a teenager who was in a very bad accident, uh, car accident who was paralyzed uh, from about the nipple line down, a young teenager, and was in the ICU for about six weeks. This patient was clearly very angry that this had happened to them, you know, knowing that they'll never walk again, 
and being so young and had a trach because they were on the vent for so long. Um, significant traumas, obviously, and multiple surgeries. And it was, it got to a point to where a lot of nurses that I worked with did not want to care for this patient anymore because it was very angry, very hateful, lashed out. There was a lot of family issues, a lot of fighting between parents and different things. And so people didn't want to care for her anymore just because it was a big challenge because she was so angry. Now, I was a newer nurse, um, very young and very compassionate, I guess, still. Not that I'm not always now, but, you know, I, I was going to save the world. At the time. So I volunteered to take her every shift because I kept thinking, well, of course she is angry. This, of course she is. This is, you know, her entire life just blew up. Of course she is. And so I just wanted to have somebody that she could relate to and talk to. And But what ended up happening, I don't know how familiar you are with trachs. And there's a, it's called a passive ur valve that you put in the trach so you can start training to talk again, that they could breathe mm-hmm. through that to learn and talk. Well, she hadn't talked in six weeks. And Every time we put that in, she would get very anxious and nervous. And she kept mouthing, you know, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. She was mouthing this and just pure anxiety. And we went through this day after day. And finally, I said to her, her name, and I said, look, you can breathe. I'm in here with you. I'm going to watch the monitor. I'm watching you. But I'm going to turn my back to you. And I'm going to chart. We did paper charting then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to chart, and, but I'm not going anywhere, but we're leaving this in. We've got to get through this. And I turned my back and it was probably two or three minutes later, I hear this faint, Shannon, out of her. And I turn around and looked at it and we both just lost it. We cried and cried and cried because it's our first words. And she said, my name because I had been there. Her. I get chills just thinking about it. I was going to say, now. that just gave me it chills. Was, <laughs> it was the most profound moment of my career, even after all these years. And so we practiced for a little bit, her talking, and we called her dad. And I said, they knew me, of course, at this point. And I said, somebody wants to say something to you. And she said, hi, dad, for the first time in you know a month and a half. And they all came up and we had a big party and we celebrated. And it, it was just a very profound moment for me. And it changed my career and my thoughts you know, think look at what difference you know it made and that I just tried to understand what she was going through and it paid off and she of course still paralyzed and, but she I found out later has done wonderful things. So that is a beautiful story. That's awesome. And it probably made her less frustrated and showed up general. a couple of years later. Um, I wasn't there to drop off a note to me saying what a difference I had made in her life and that meant everything to me so I will never ever forget her what has been your best catch whether it prevented a mistake or saved somebody or anything kind of along those lines there's been many I mean we're all human so there's been many whether it's been the doctors writing in order for a medicine that the patient's allergic to and you catch it um you know that one happens um medicines being in the wrong place in the pixels I think one big one was when I was actually in the ICU and I went in and the patient was on a heparin drip that was supposed to be going at like 10 cc's an hour. And it was always no go in, you trust but verify what the nurse had said being there. And I traced all my lines because, you know, they would be on six, seven drips at a time. 
and it was going at 100 cc's an hour, not 10. Oh, God. Heparin, yeah. <laughs> they thought they were changing the fluids and did not trace their pump, and um, luckily there were no ill effects. There would have been, obviously, they hadn't been caught, but it was a scary one. But lots of, you know, just trust and verify and double check because there's always catches, just the nature of being human. Yeah, that's why I couldn't work in the ICU because I don't have that OCD. I would be switching the lines and getting them wrong and not tracing them back. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like ICU needs OCD. ED yeah. needs ADD. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Katie, you got this. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel like more than half of the nurses that I work with are ADD. Oh, absolutely. No shame in their game. I mean, this can go back to what you just answered for me, because I'm sure that it was a very proud moment for you. But can you think of anything else that what was or has been your proudest moment so far in your career? I don't know. There's been so many. I mean, as a nurse, you're going to do so many great things that, you know, you save lives a lot, you know, I've been part in saving so many lives. And that, of course, makes you proud. I've been proud of myself when I have stayed over and with a dying patient that had no family because I didn't want them to die alone. Patient that I told you about a little bit ago, just being proud that we made a breakthrough in your progress. Um, there are many, many. There's not one particular thing. I think, I mean, I'm proud of the things that I've done. I'm not always proud of my attitude sometimes and I get jaded and, you know, you know, because of course I'm human and I've been doing it a long time, but I'm proud of the great things that nurses in general do. I've worked with some brilliant minds and some wonderful caring coworkers and I'm proud of them all. I'm proud of all of us. You have like a calming and I, I hate saying energy because it sounds like I'm into crystals and oils and I'm not, but you do have like a calming <laughs> energy with any kind of like, well, one with me, two with patients, and even with doctors. Like there was a couple situations where we were in that were kind of high strung, I guess. And like you just came in, and it was just like you're so matter of fact, and you know, and confident that we can, I can do this. This is what's going on. This is what we're gonna do, and you can just take control. Yeah, and you know what I think that is, and I don't. I've obviously never worked with you, but from my experience, where I'm at. It's the nurses that have been there and have the experience and the doctors trust you. They put Mm -hmm. so much trust in you and they know that you're smart and that you know what you're doing and they know that you've got their back. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I agree. I have told Katie from the beginning, um, you know, talk to the doctors, um, you know, build that rapport with them. Don't go to them for stupid things because I can tell you that if I go to any doctor in that ER and I say I need you to come see this patient now they will drop what they're doing and they will come see this patient now because they know that I'm not going to tell them about some stupid you know (laughs) insignificant thing and that takes a while and that's why it's okay start talking to them now ask questions they like that don't act like you know something that you don't and you know, you build that rapport and they do, they learn to trust you and experience and, you know, just remaining calm. And you know, it does, you, they learn to respect you. And it's a mutual respect, but it takes time for sure. I feel like 
every nurse or anybody that works in the healthcare has their one thing that it's like, they don't do like, I, I just can't do this or I can't do that. So the funniest yeah. thing, which <laughs> I've talked to you about it before, but I don't think I've told April was I don't do secretions. I can't do the, the, the suck suction and all that. Like if I had to, obviously I will. Will I turn green? Yes. <laughs> will Guess I get light next time you're yeah. working <laughs> No. <laughs> Luckily she works days and I work nights, but <laughs> luckily I will never forget. I went in with her. This is when I was, she was still precepting me to do an NG tube. Shannon oh, was yeah. all excited. Right. She's like, let's go do this NG tube. Like okay, I do your first one that. here that you're going to do. And I'm like, okay, knowing damn well, <laughs> I'm not going to do well with this. So I'm like, I hope to God she just does it and just wants me to like what. And so we go in the room and there was another nurse in there, Shannon, and then me. And the way I positioned myself, I knew right when it started, I was not in the right position because I couldn't get out of the room. So we start and this patient is dry heaving aggressively while we're trying, not we, while they are trying to put this NG tube down, which already slightly triggers me just because I know what's coming. So then they finally get it in and then they're, they're suctioning and all this stuff is coming up. And I am Literally in my mind, don't pass out, don't pass out, don't throw up, don't throw up. Just, I was staring at the (laughs) clock, staring at the walls. I was doing everything that I could to not be present in what was going on. Because you know what? Like when you're about to throw up your mouth, just like (laughs) you get all saliva and you're just, as soon as she stops, I'm out down the hallway. I do remember that. She headed out the door. (laughs) I was like, "Hmm." (laughs) Which annoyed me, I'll be honest. I was like, um, hello, you need to be in here, you know, to see us. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, did, I lasted as long as I could. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so what's Ooh, your dude. thing? Uh, that thing is vomit. If somebody can start rummaging, I'm like, I'm out. So I'm like, I will take some. I'm like, somebody go in there, start an IV, give them some Zofran. I will do whatever. I will run the next three codes that come in. I used to do that all the Whatever. I don't care. Just. You only do that for me and I'll do whatever you need me to do. Now, I have gotten better just because, I mean, you do what you have to do. And I, I can't. <laughs> it's yeah, horrible. I'm like, Especially if I'm there's like, chunks or anything. I just can't. It's horrible. I'm like Katie with, I don't like trachs because I don't like the whole suctioning thing and the suction canister on the wall. And it just, uh, uh, yeah, I don't like it. But the vomit thing, I that used to be my thing before I had kids. And I think my kids just puking all the time made me get used to it. But everybody has their thing. I've had nurses who don't do teeth. Anything nurses that don't do eyeballs. You know, there's a lot of different things. Everybody has their thing, and that's okay. That's why we're a team. We can work, you know, work out deals sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> With your coworkers. I will, I will go clean that C diff if you go suction this person for me. Yes. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the best advice that you could give? Well, I think the best advice that I received and that I have passed on is one and the same, which is be prepared ahead of time. Katie will tell you, what do you have What do you have to have? The two things in every room before you start. Suction oh, and ambu bag, baby. Right. That's right. <laughs> I said, check your rooms before you get started. As soon as possible, check your stock. Make sure you have an ambu bag and you have suction. Because if you've ever been in a situation where you don't have one of those, it is not cool. And you won't ever forget it. 
that's number no. one advice. <laughs> Make yeah, sure you have anything else you can run and get. <laughs> yeah, that's actually something that they have stressed to me too, like over where I'm at. And they're like, you need to, when you walk in, you check and make sure that you got suction and an Ambu bag. And when you are leaving, you make sure that room still has suction and an Ambu bag. And the other thing, we had a critical patient come in and we were, you know, running the whole, everybody was running around doing their thing. And every single one of our AccuCheck machines hadn't been QR'd and Ugh. none of them worked in the middle of a code. So that now has become my number three. Of Ambu bag suction and make sure that the AccuCheck's are working and that they don't have to be verified because if you're in the middle of a code and you don't have an AccuCheck that works, doesn't look good on anybody. <laughs> yes, it's horrible. I've been there. Yes. In that, speaking with you, I asked what bad advice I received. Bad advice. It's kind of random, but it's something that I did once and will never do again. And that was with a I was always told with a deceased patient, take off their jewelry, give it to the family so that it doesn't get lost. I get the funeral home or whatever. I will never, ever do that again um, because I had a young female who had like a toddler, her and her husband, who passed away in the ER, suddenly took her wedding ring off, handed it to the husband after we told him, and he absolutely just fell to the floor holding these wedding rings. And I felt so horrible for doing that. <laughs> and I was told that that's what, you know, you should do. This has been many years ago. Never again. I will have the family come in and say they have their jewelry on if you want to take it. But I will never, ever do that again. So I don't know if it's necessarily bad advice, but it was something that I won't do again. <laughs> yeah, I never even thought about that. But yeah, I mean, I could see where that would be upsetting. You know, especially yeah. on a young person. I mean, when you're talking about an older person, things sometimes are different, but a young person, Absolutely. everything changes. Can you maybe tell us about a situation that you've been in at work that you were like, I cannot believe that I am doing this right now? Other There's than precepting. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a huge one. I said I would never precept anyone, and I got sucked into it. No, no, I knew Katie had such great potential that I agreed to do it and I'm glad that I did certainly met all expectations I had of her so yeah there have been many things especially uh, well this one was actually in the ICU we had a patient with a cracked chest that coded and we had to massage the heart itself and I remember doing that and thinking holy crap I have somebody's heart in my hand here squeezing and it was just surreal I bet. That was definitely yeah, one that stands out for sure. There have been, you know, lots of things that it's like, you know, in, in different ways, like, oh my gosh, this is, I can't believe I do something so horrible or and I can't believe I've done something so amazing. You know, at the same time. So it's, uh, that one definitely stands out. Well, we thank you for coming on and being our interview this week. Katie has been talking about interviewing you forever. So, yeah, it, we really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, yeah, so if I ever get stuck at my job, I might hit you up now and ask you a question. If <laughs> oh, anytime I'm here. Katie knows it. I've told Katie I'm a preceptor for life. I'd still ask her lots of questions and drill her with scenarios every once in a while. Keep up the great work.
Roses are red, violets are blue. I do dumbass things. How many do you do? (laughs) (laughs) My dumbass thing of the week is, I told Katie earlier and I didn't tell her what it was, but I think it was more of a learning experience than it was a dumbass thing, but it was kind of a dumbass thing. So I have catheterized that's the right word catheterized a handful of people i've put a catheter in a handful of people men and women i haven't done a lot but i've done enough to know how to do them and i had an experience and it was the first time that in the middle of putting a catheter in i didn't know what to do because i wasn't getting any urine return and i couldn't push it in any further and I'm in the room and I'm like, who's out there? Is anybody out there? And somebody's like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, I need help. Meanwhile, I have a penis in my hand and I'm I'm holding the catheter tube in the other hand. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm not getting any urine return and I can't advance it anymore. And I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I feel so bad for the person that I'm doing this to. And I'm just like thinking in my head, this is the most awful thing ever. Okay. So it ends up and the A&M actually had to come in and help. And the A&M like just has been doing this for a long time and just knew how to handle it. So if a man has an enlarged prostate, especially if it's really enlarged, the catheter tubing can kind of get to the prostate and then start to coil up inside like the ureter and you have to use so much force to advance the catheter past the prostate to get to the urine i was like oh my god because my AM came in put on sterile gloves and kind of just took the penis away from me <laughs> and was like <laughs> she she had like death grip on it and was like she's like you just have to be firm and push and i mean she pushed it all the way and luckily this person was just like ow you know and i was like oh my okay and they're like they you just gotta you gotta be persistent with that tubing and get it in there that was it was like i said dumbass thing but a learning moment all the same same ass time all the same time (laughs) all the same time i learned stupidly that you really have to use a lot of force and you're not going to hurt a penis if you squeeze it really hard (laughs) in order to put the catheter in (laughs) so anybody out there that's a new nurse or in nursing school get a firm grip on your penis when you're putting a catheter in you can't just hold it you have to really hold it that's my thing for this week great So I was going to just let April expose herself this week, but I have to add this because it happened to me last night on my way to work. So if you are unfortunate enough like us to live in a state that is currently going through a snowstorm right now, wear different shoes other than your work shoes getting into your car and driving to work. 
because there's nothing worse than wet socks and wet shoes and I don't know what I was thinking that I wore my work shoes outside and as I'm walking to my car my socks get soaking wet and my shoes are soaking wet and that's not a fun way to start your morning it was horrible so I guess you can consider that as my dumbass thing because I don't think there's anything worse than having wet socks and that's not a good way to start your night or your day whichever one there's my tidbit I didn't want to be left out I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode with Shannon thanks so much for listening 